Welcome to the third season of the Give, Receive, Improve podcast. In this third season, we will be focusing on the topic around the first 90 days of becoming a new manager. In this episode, we will talk about creating predictable experiences for the best performance. We will essentially be answering two key questions, and they are 1. What would be the simplest way to create predictable experience with your subordinates? And number two, how do we create a conducive environment for our team to perform at their best? Welcome to the Give, Receive, Improve podcast with Lisa Lam and Sawana Ali. This podcast was inspired to help new managers overcome the challenges of managing and leading people. We have a combined experience of over 50 years in leadership and management roles, We know, and I mean we know, the struggles and rewards of leading individuals and teams. We believe that you should not be facing your challenges alone. So let's start this journey together. To find out more, check out our respective sites at lisalumcoach.com and sawanaali.com. Let's get going. Hi Lisa. I woke up this morning to this song, Roar by Katy Perry. That surely perked me up right away and I feel so much into the groove now. Amazing what a song can do, yeah? It gets me into a rhythm that making me believe that I can roar like a tiger and possess an eye of a tiger. And all my energy got so focused into a center that I believe I could have done and achieved anything when I set my mind to it. And as a manager... This is exactly what you want to establish for your team members so that they can roar like tigers. A rhythm that they can dance to. A rhythm that they can predict and anticipate the cause and effect of their decisions and actions. Is there an easy way to do it? What would be the simplest method that we can strike some great understanding with our subordinates on how best to work together? The key priority is to establish a predictable experience for them to empower them to think on their feet and make decisions and yet feeling safe doing it. A couple of things to consider in establishing this are being open and transparent about your work styles and setting up your rhythm of operations unique to your department. In the past three episodes, we touched briefly about work styles. It is about you really sharing with all your team members on how you function and how best you can work together with them. As an example, Dia informs her team members about her work style that comprises the following. Number one, she comes early to work. Typically, she will be in her office by 7 a.m. And if anyone wants to have a chat with her, they can come and do so before 9. Chat means work-related or it can be something personal that may impact performance at work. Number two, she will conduct one department meeting every month, scheduled on the fourth Friday at 3 p.m. to provide monthly updates and discuss the department scorecards. Number three, she reserves Wednesdays afternoon after 4 p.m. for one-on-ones. Number four, She does not like surprises, hence scenarios that have certain impact and repercussions, especially anything that involves many parties or stakeholders. Her consultation is definitely required before you make any decision to proceed. Number five, she believes in a two-way feedback for continuous improvement. 
she welcomes any types of feedback directly from her team members. And number six, she respects family time and will not bother anyone after 8pm unless it is super duper necessary. Being dear subordinate, it is pretty clear to me on how I should conduct myself and my work plan for the best outcome. As a matter of fact, I reciprocated and shared with her my work style and went a step further in discussing other relevant variables on how best to work together. Sharing her work style was a great opening to a how-to-work-together discussion, so to speak, which eventually turned out to be our effective method of working together. How about you, Lisa? How did you communicate your work styles to your team members? Hi, Sel. Yeah, for me, what I've discovered over the years is that the simplest and most predictable experience for everyone, which includes my team, peers, and manager, is to be upfront with communication, establish a rhythm, and then the hardest part of all, which is to consistently execute on it. Therefore, in terms of work style, there is basically two. My personal or my work preferences. Number two, the formal business cycles or rhythms. Let's start with my personal work preference or style. I'm generally a person who likes an empowering environment where I can take ownership and accountabilities for what I am doing. Therefore, as a reflection of how I work or how I enjoy working, I pass that on to my team. I start with the premise of trusting my people first. And therefore, I generally provide a flexible and empowering environment for the team to decide what priorities they want to focus on and what actions they want to take. I am not an authoritative or controlling leader by nature. There are obviously occasions where a more hands-on approach is required, but that is more dependent on the individual who requires it as opposed to my general natural leadership style. I guess a point to note is that a leader needs to be flexible in his or her approach to suit the requirements. I think that it is important to start your manager journey trusting your people first as opposed to not, as this will set the tone of your relationship and engagement with the team. I am sure that you've experienced situations where a leader or manager does not trust the team and the adverse environment that it causes. I think that that is one of the elements that leads to a very toxic environment when you are not able to trust your team and vice versa. I will communicate then my general or overall thoughts that centers around one, values, what's important to me, what's non-negotiable, and what are my expectations. For example, honesty and integrity is very important and are obviously non-negotiables for me. Both those values play critical role into building a trust environment. Number two, having fun and enjoying what you do. I am a firm believer of enjoying the work that you do and having fun doing it. Number three, work is hard and therefore be a professional. I remember when all of the American mega superstars were recording the song We Are The World and one of the signs that they had outside the door of the studio basically stated, leave your egos at the door. That struck me to be true, not just for megastars, but also for each of us. We need to be professionals at work and be authentic and as much as possible, no matter how hard it is, to leave our pride or ego at the door, because that is one of the barriers to working as a team. It is hard enough to work together as a group of individually talented, driven, smart people, 
without having the additional barriers of ego to collaboration. And lastly, open communication. I encourage and value feedback and expect the same from everyone in the team. Issues do not become or grow into a problem if they are dealt with upfront. I know that we all have been in situations and environments where issues were never dealt with, but instead allowed to grow and fester. And over time, that causes a lot of underlying challenges down the line. Now, that's generally how I would communicate, whether in a team meeting or individual one-on-one sessions, to ensure that the message is heard and obviously people can ask me questions. And this obviously works both ways. Wow, that is so interesting, Lisa. It really helps a lot when a manager is open and transparent with her work style. In addition to the work style, another important element to consider is to have a solid foundation and system that drive everyone to work together. The key question that we are asking here is, how can we create such conducive environment for our subordinates to perform at their best? This is where the rhythm of operations come into the picture. You must establish a specific rhythm of operations for your department. If you are a big organization, this may involve multiple layers of synchronization as your department is only one cell within the entire structure. For the purpose of our sharing today, let's say you are a local organization and you only need a layer of freedom of operations. Taking from the previous example of Diaz, the rhythm of operations for her department will potentially look like this. Number one, having department meeting every fourth Friday afternoon. Number two, having one-on-one sessions every Wednesday afternoon, 4 p.m. onwards. And number three, leadership team meeting every first Monday of the month. You will need to prepare and plan your work accordingly. For instance, say you are a salesperson in the company. You must make sure that you have the latest status of opportunities updated. You are able to share the highlights and lowlights of the account. You are ready to present current challenges and recommendations on potential solutions. Typically, you will be using a certain business management system to support your operations, which may include CRM, for instance. Then it is your ownership to ensure that every relevant info is updated so that the relevant project owners and management can see it and discuss the situations accordingly as required. Evidently, once the rhythm of operations is established, you cannot change the dates for all these important meetings or events. You must block all these recurring slots in your calendar. Unless you do this, you won't be able to manage your business effectively. You have to respect the reason why the rhythm of operation is there in the first place. To create a predictable experience for all team members to work together. You know exactly what is expected of you by when. This way, you ought to be able to plan your time effectively in terms of getting all other commitments done. What has your experience been, Lisa? How did the rhythm of operations help you in managing your team effectively? You know, Zell, one of my roles in Microsoft was essentially centered around rhythm of the business. And to be perfectly honest, after a little while, ROB or the rhythm of the business became a taboo word. However, there are inherent benefits and in fact a requirement in order for any organization and teams to function. Like what you have mentioned, 
the rhythm of the business is a set of expectations of when things are to take place, which therefore establishes predictability in terms of what you'll need to prepare, focus for the week or the month, and sharing of learnings and corrective actions. I think that the key is not about setting up of the timetable of when the meetings would take place, which is essentially scheduling. It's important, but once that is done, that's basically done. The key, therefore, is how do you create an environment which is conducive and that will lead to good business outcomes, which is essentially what our question number two is all about. How can we create a conducive environment? So to answer that question, there are three keys. One, the meeting itself. What is the purpose? What is the desired outcome? Who will be attending? And what is the expectation of those people who are attending? Number two, rules of engagement. There are various courses on how you can run a meeting and so on, and I would suggest that you learn some of the tips and tricks on how to run a meeting effectively. In essence, it is about clarity, the agenda, action items, and good facilitation process to ensure that everyone gets a say and the discussions are well-managed and key items are discussed and to be obviously respectful of time and the people that we have around the table. Number three, people and attendees. Know why the people are there, what their roles are, and what are your expectations of them, and obviously to respect their time and opinions. One of the biggest challenges that I faced was not the rhythm of the business itself, but rather, what can we get out of each of these meetings? There would be some meetings where it would be super productive and everyone would come out of it with clarity as far as their next steps and so on. Well, there are some meetings that just seems to be like a waste of time. One of the dangers of a new manager is that you're most probably going to be pulled into every single meeting just because you are the manager. However, I would strongly advise you to ask the question, what is my role in that meeting? Am I really required to be in that meeting? And this will save you a lot of time. That is great, Lisa. Thanks for your feedback. I could not agree more with what you have just shared. Thinking back, I can say now that the work styles and rhythm of operations helped me a great deal in my career growth. It has made me a better planner, more organized, and certainly much more productive. The one thing that I really dislike is when a manager randomizes my time, you know, like some managers, they seem to like to ask you questions or to do something based on his or her own convenience and then treating everything as urgent, that you need to respond to them right away. I equate that to randomization as it breaks my rhythm of work, since all of a sudden I need to divert my attention and energy in addressing his or her needs first. That is also the reason why work styles and the rhythm of operations are my two best tools to create the most predictable experience for all team members. They work well to bring predictability in team's performance, and many large organizations are using them. What about you, Lisa? Do you have any specific dislike that makes you appreciate work style and rhythm of operations a lot more? Yes, Elle, I agree with you. I dislike managers who are random both in terms of their thinking and actions. However, I understand that this is just how they are wired. I like predictability and consistency, and therefore rhythm of the business suits me fine. Like what I had briefly mentioned earlier, I was responsible for the ROB process in the organization. And personally, I disliked it not for the predictability, but for the nature of the beast itself. 
After a little while, meetings were just for the sake of meetings or because of the rhythm. It became a show and tell as opposed to moving the business forward. Therefore, to avoid this situation or the fatigue of meetings, the clarity of the meeting's purpose and its desired outcomes need to be front and centre. So let me summarise what we've covered so far. 1. What would be the simplest way to create predictable experience with your subordinates? The answer? Very simple. Clearly communicate your work styles, which will include your values, your preferences, your expectations, as well as the rhythm of the business or rhythm of operations. Number two, how do we create a conducive environment for our teams to perform at their very best? Well, the answer is also fairly straightforward. Essentially, it's about open and transparent communication, encouraging feedback and discussions to take place in an open and safe environment. Setting expectations and ownerships along the way is also critical as that will help you with accountabilities. And it is very important that everyone in the team is able to work well together And the only way that can happen is there is enough trust, which is an outcome of consistency and integrity. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast and let us know what you would like to learn next. And give us your feedback as we aim to continuously improve on what we're doing. Check out our respective websites at lisalamcoach.com and sawanaali.com. Take care and remember... You're not alone in your struggles as a manager.